0: Hello and welcome to episode 176 of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. I'm Marco and I'm flying solo today for this intro, but don't worry, Tarek is in the main bit of the podcast, the interview. Um, thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers and find out how they got into the industry. Um, this week's episode is a very special episode. It was recorded live at Chimera Festival in July uh, with the brilliant R.J. Barker in front of an audience that included, as you'll hear R.J. say, some other brilliant um, writers such as Shauna Lawless, Tendai Huchu, uh, C.K. McDonnell and more were in the were in the audience. So that was brilliant as well um, th- because it's a live recording the and we were in a very echoey room the audio quality isn't quite up to our usual standards but I have done my best to tidy it up and it's a brilliant interview with RJ who was just a fantastic guest and really great fun so I hope you enjoy the interview um, we'll get straight into after a quick advert for our writer's notebook and then I'll be back very briefly at the end of the podcast just to let you know about next week's guest The Blank Page To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is... write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow.
1: But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? Every story starts with page
0: one. Well, thanks everyone for coming along to what is only the second ever live episode that we've done. So if it all goes wrong, it's entirely our fault. We have a great relationship with the Chimera Festival so it's really brilliant to be able to have this opportunity to do that. Um, We are also, I I know if you listen to the podcast you'll be sick of hearing about notebooks but we are in the creator's hall um, and you can come and buy one of the notebooks at a very special discounted uh, price so if you want to head as as is being demonstrated here. There you go, (laughs) excellent, excellent modelling. But today you've not come for us, you've come for our guest, uh, the amazing R.J. Barker, critically acclaimed and award-winning author of fantasy fiction, including the Wounded Kingdom tri- trilogy and the award-winning Tide ch- Child trilogy. Hard to say that. Um, his new book, Gods of the Weirdwood, is out this month. So, thanks very much for joining us, R.J. Oh,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm glad. That that sounds like my, my agent's buy off me, which sounds really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> and then I send up mine, and Sajid Barker writes books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... Um, On these podcasts, I always start with the same question, which is, did you always want to be a writer? Because I know that you had perhaps other ambitions.
2: Yeah, no, no. um, I didn't want to be a writer. I wanted to be a rock star. And I was quite convinced and sure I was going to be a rock star. So I kind of stopped going to school, which my parents pointed out was a bad idea. And... Uh, many, many years later, I tended to agree with them. <laughs> but, but, but I had a very good time uh, and was only held back by my complete inability to play a musical instrument. Um, <laughs> I was the worst bass player in Leeds for about a decade, um, but i had really good hair, and, and that gets you a long way, but never to anywhere near success. And um, eventually, I was in a band with a friend of mine who's really talented and. When you get near proper, really talented people, you realise that yeah, I can't keep up. And I said, "I'm sorry, I have to go. I can't keep up." And bless him, he said, "We clearly came. It's not the same without you. You're the heart of the band, RJ. We need you. Come back." And I came back, and about halfway through the rehearsal, he went, "Yeah, you know, you said you couldn't keep up. (laughs) Actually, you had a point." (laughs) Uh, So, so I kind of went away, and I thought, "Well, I want to do. I I know I want to be creative, and I don't want to work in a call centre because it's killing me." what can I do? And I'm, everyone, I was always the one with a book in my pocket. And I'd, I'd scribbled stuff before, and he said, I like poetry, to write poetry and, and lyrics and stuff. And I was like, right, I'm going to be a novelist, and I'm going to get signed to one of the big publishers and release a book. And everybody just laughed at me. And went, what did you get in English at school, RJ? And I was like, let's not talk about that. Let, let's just write books. So I, I wrote books for 13, 14 years, um, and managed to take all the worst advice, I think, that I found, and stop, and then start again. And eventually I I sold a book to Orbit, to imagine.
0: What was the worst piece of advice that you listened to?
2: Oh, I think the worst piece of advice was, um, somebody told me I was using grammar incorrectly, and I should buy Strunk and White's Elements of Style, um, which I did, and then I tried to write properly, and and I can't, I don't write. Like, I I write like I write, uh, and I, I found that I did actually understand the rules enough of it had stuck because I read a lot, uh, and I, I was just willfully enjoying ignoring them, and that's where a lot of the joy came from. And basically, that any advice I got that that sucked the joy out of it for me was advice. I I meet this guy, and eventually I'm um, Brenchley. Do you know Chaz Brenchley? No. Uh, super, he wrote some books called Dead of Light, which are, are wonderful. Came out in the nineties. And I followed him on some sort of early social media thing, and, and he said um, the best rule of writing is what works for you is what works. And it was just like, poof, yeah. I'm free. I'm gonna write whatever I fancy now, and I did. And then some of it was awful. <laughs> A lot of it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: was it all was it all fantasy? Was that what you wanted to write, or was that, or did you try different genres before you kind of settled in?
2: I, fantasy was kind of an accident. Um, <clears throat> Probably, if you'd asked me what I'd get published in, I would have said science fiction or crime. Okay. Um, I read a load of fantasy um, quite early on, and a big influence is um, C.J. Cherry, um, whose, whose work I love. Um, the more game books are, are astounding. Um, <clears throat> and I read all like the fantasy classics and, and sort of Robert Jordan and all of that when it was coming out. But by the time I'd started seriously writing, I was much more interested in science fiction, like Ian Banks, and, and in American contemporary crime which I love, and I, I sub- we submitted with my previous agent a big science fiction novel um, that everybody turned down, uh, but they were quite complimentary about it, and then that agent decided to downsize his thing, and he went, I'm downsizing my operation. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry for you. Going, oh, oh, no. That's not as good as I thought. Um, and he sort of gave me, I gave him a list of people I was going to sub this new book to, which he'd read, and he said, oh, I think this book's all right. Actually, might have something. And I thought it was a crime novel, because um, Age of Assassins is, is primarily an Agatha the style murder mystery in a fantasy world, uh, with a lot of stabbing as well, and, and, and magic, um, and I gave him this list of agents, and he just said, oh, you should, you should also try Ed Wilson, and I'd seen him on Twitter, and his Twitter handle is Literary Whore, mm. which just scared the life out of me, because <laughs> I just, I'm not a literary writer, I, I, I bounce so hard off Wolf Hall, um, I can't, and he said, no, you should try it, Ed Wilson, you'll, you'll get in touch, you'll get on with him. So I tried Ed, and, um, and he came back in like three days, and said, yeah, there's something here, um, I, I quite like this, and took me on, and sold the novel really quickly. And it, it's been gravy since yeah. then, as we like to say.
0: <laughs> and and uh, that first trilogy of books came out very, very quickly for a trilogy, you know, yeah. in the course of, I don't know, 18 months or so, but did you sell all three books at the same time then? Did you, had you written all three books at that point?
2: No, I'd, I'd, I wrote the first one in six weeks because um, I'd been waiting for this science fiction novel to come back and I don't, I don't know, <clears throat> you're quite processy, aren't you? As people probably know that, that you, you send out your book and all the <coughs> editors um, look at it and decide how long they'll take to turn you down. Um, and and that, that process, I'd never been through it before and I found it really, I couldn't write. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether I should be writing another book like that or, or what. It was really weird. So I kind of felt like I, I, I was stuck. So then when I got turned down, rather than being, oh, poor me, I was like, yes, I can write again. And I, I wrote this book in, in like six weeks. And it was just meant as a standalone, just a, a fantasy murder mystery. And I said, right, we need a trilogy. Um, let's write a trilogy. So I sketched out two more books. And Orbit said, can you write one every six months? I'm like, Yeah. Of course I can, because I did not know any better. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I did. I can, I can write quite quickly, because um, I have a superpower, which is being chronically ill, which means I don't have to have a job. And, and at the time, I, I was, I was um, on incapacity benefit, or whatever they call it now. Um, so I was at home all the time, which is, is very useful for writing, and a lot of writers don't have that luxury, which, which I do, which allows people to write quickly, and I, I don't. I just don't have much else to do. The <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then, I mean, when you when you had you know, you kind of had this one book, and the can you do make it make it three, and you kind of sketch this idea, did you had you left like a out, Did you know where you were going to go with it? How long did it take you to sketch this idea? Or did you plan it properly or what?
2: No, I don't plan anything. Uh, not just books. I, I, I literally just blunder through life, hoping everything <laughs> will turn out all right. Um, I wrote. You have to. <clears throat> You have have to sort of submit little like back of the book blurbs for what you think, but um, I don't think the books I wrote had much to do with those in the end. And by the time you get to the third book, I I find because I'm very exploratory as a writer, I'm very. What's good? I find by the time you get to a third book, it's. I hate saying taken on a life of its own because that implies I'm not in control of it, but there is a momentum to it at that point, mm-hmm. and the story is kind of creating itself. And my subconscious knows a lot more about what's going on. Um, can, I, can I spoil books for people on your podcast? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, in King of Assassins, the third, the third book, you kind of establish there's a lot of people that they hunt, people who can do magic, which the main character can. Um, and I wrote a sentence that they go to where they're based and underneath it is, when, when people use magic, the reason they don't like it is, um, I was thinking about oil and stuff like that, it sucks the life out of the world. So there are these places where nothing will grow and the colour of souring. Um, and there's one of these underneath the castle of the sorcerer hunters, which means somebody there is using huge amounts of magic. And I wrote it, it was just that in a sentence. And as soon as I read it, I just thought I've broken my book. I've broken every rule <laughs> I've set up in this entire trilogy. And there's a little sensible voice going, well, delete it. And then the other part of me going, no, never go backwards. <laughs> never. Just go with it and see what happens, and it ended up being the linchpin for the entire book. But I literally had, I had nothing planned apart from the final act of the character arc between the main two characters. But the actual plot of the book, absolute mystery, until I get there.
0: And and you said that you don't plan anything out, um, but do you? You know, what is your process day by day? Are you have a word target? Do you have certain hours you write between, or anything like that?
2: I've kind of settled in that I write Monday to Friday and I usually write in the mornings um, <clears throat> because, well, sometimes I write all day, but I start playing Skyrim again. Not really matters. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I usually write in the mornings and depending on what I'm writing, like i um, with Weirdwood and its next two books, I'm, I'm like 60K into the third one now. They're quite heavy going and I, I aim for about a thousand words a day and maybe more it just depends how it feels right to finish but I I tell myself a thousand words is my minimum but if I don't hit that i am just who cares and I reset it the next day I don't sort of say right I owe myself 300 words because I think that's just very limiting and it doesn't help you it makes you just feel guilty and I'm not into guilt I'm just into enjoying stuff Um, so that's that's what I aim at but sometimes with with other stuff like I finished this the first Weirdwood book and then I always want to well I always want to write the book I'm not meant to be writing really that's all I want to be doing so I had an idea after I finished the first Weirdwood book and I went away and I wrote that book in like four weeks because it was really clear and that book I like did seven or eight thousand words a day because it just
1: wow.
2: yeah it was just there and it was for me mm-hmm. it's not I don't have to do it. And that's really freeing. Um, and then go back to the, the other book, which is like the serious.
1: So I mean, I mean, it sounds to me like a lot of people we've talked to, they like having that kind of deadline of, you know, you've got like a month left, you've got to get it finished and that helps them focus and, and, and to write down. But it almost sounds like you're the opposite. Then when you, when you're freed from the, what you're meant to be writing, you can write for yourself. Then that's when you write way more and you focus more. Is that right? Yeah.
2: And, and I, I don't really pay any. T- I don't. I never know what my deadlines are. <laughs> ever. I, I just don't. I just. Oh, I'll try and get it to you by then, and we'll <laughs> see. Because publishing is actually quite, quite. Uh, these are probably secrets I'm not meant to tell no, anybody. No, no. We love shh, the secrets. Shh, shh, tell everybody. Shh. It's just, everybody that's... in here, you're sworn to secrets. <laughs> okay. Um, because you, you hand in... It's not like, all right, your deadline is, is the end of this week and then you hand in your book and then the week after your editor comes back to you and says, right, I've read the book. Yeah. You hand in the book and then maybe three months later <laughs> your editor comes back to you or four months later, depending on, on their workload because everybody on that side of publishing is massively overworked. Um, it's mental. You like get letters from your editor and they've written them at one in the morning. It's, it's mad. So... Deadlines. If I miss my deadline, I'm actually helping my editor because <laughs> I'm taking her way to, to, to think. Yeah, about it, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm not fussed by deadlines, and it's the creation of art. You can only do it at the speed you can do it, and sort of coming along and going, you must finish this book doesn't help. It it hinders you. Um, so I'm I'm quite relaxed about that. But a thousand words a day, that's kind of doable. And if I'm in a I don't want to do this mood, which usually occurs right in the middle of a book right in the middle of the book. That's just like I know, no, I hate this, it's terrible. Um, I'm terrible, books are terrible. <laughs> Apart from this other one I want to write. That's that's really good. I'm like, right, you you write a thousand words RJ and then you can play Skyrim. Um, which you bought a Playstation five to play Skyrim, which was a game like ten years ago, but play, play something up to date.
0: I've mean, bought you it five times it. on different platforms. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I think you've only not you've only not bought the VR version. No, Oh You have the VR version. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Oh, is, is it
2: good? Don't say no, 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 no. It's no, it's not. No rubbish. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so I reward myself. But usually, what I find is, by the time I get to about seven hundred words, actually, I'm quite into it, and I've I've hit something. Then I'm going. Yeah. So I can. And, and there's a. There's a momentum and flow of ideas to writing that the more you write the thing, the easier it becomes to write. So that's I think that's where write every day comes. all awful advice and not physically possible for a lot of people, but I think that's where it comes from that mm-hmm. momentum.
0: Yeah, and and with that, so and going back to what you were saying about getting to the end of a trilogy and subconsciously you know a lot more. Obviously, fantasy books are very heavy on the world building. There's, of huge cast of characters and everything. I mean, are you just storing all that in your head or do you have it written down, you know, to keep track of what did this character do in book one and all of that sort of thing?
2: I don't have what this character did in book one written down anywhere apart from in my head. I keep the plot of the entire trilogy in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, When I wrote the Assassin's book, there's there's a sort of fighting system that's based on dances and they number every single one of them. They have, like, first thing, second thing, and um, <clears throat> I did find out that I should definitely have written those down when, <laughs> when I started the second book. And then um, The World of the Bone Ships. I call it the Bone Ships, I never caught the Tide, it's, it's yeah. too hard to say, the Bone <laughs> Ships books. Um, they're, they're obviously quite, because I, I love big, tall ships, and if you know anything about big, tall ships, they're really, really complicated, and I knew I was never going to learn enough. People have gone, oh, you're world building, you went to all this, he went all oh, oh, this Look how much time you spent on this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I made stuff up so I didn't know how to learn how to do it properly. <laughs> That's what I did. But I thought of all this new terminology that was sort of world specific. And of course, because I'd learned from the Assassin books that I should be writing these things down and keeping a track of them, I didn't. Um, I completely ignored that. <laughs> so by the time I got to the, the second book, I had to go back and read the first one again and write everything down. This time I've learned a bit more. And I have sort of kept a, a book for it, yeah. but it's very incomplete and not alphabetically ordered, which is stupid.
1: <laughs> and what about when you're when you're actually writing <clears throat> your draft? Because you see, you kind of you don't plan stuff. But but do you have like parts like kind of milestones you want to hit or tent poles that are you know I want to get to this bit and then oh this would be cool this happens here, so I'll, I'll work my way to that next kind of milestone. Do you have
2: these kind of bits you want to hit, yeah. or are you just? It, it's with... quite free, but as I'm writing, I'm like, "Oh, I think this thing should happen." Mm-hmm. So now I, I need to work out how to make make these characters get to that thing. Uh, and so I'm writing towards a thing that I know, that I want to write, and God, would be quite exciting to write that bit. And quite often, it's not what people think. Oh, it's an action sequence, isn't it? It's going, no, no, no. It's two people talking about horses, <laughs> um, not horses, and horses. Yeah, yeah. There's no horses in my world but horse analogs. there's two people talking about it's because i like conversation so so i tend to be writing as you write all these things build up in the back of your head and the plot is carrying on and there's a lovely because there's a for me there's a terrifying moment when you start the first book and you're looking at a blank page and you think i fucking no idea what this is about (laughs) i don't know how it ends i don't know who any of these people where are they going how can i get out of the situation i left the second book in which was which felt clever at the time but was obviously stupid um and then, and then some sort of euphoria right at the end. where you think, yeah, I tied it all up. Yeah, like I, I planned this all along. <laughs> and because there's loads of happy accidents. you be like, oh God, if only there was a talking dog. If only I'd written in a talking dog. And then you look back. Oh, actually, I did write in a talking <laughs> dog. I just forgot I didn't call it a dog. And so, so that, that tends to be. There's a really good writer in my subconscious. Um, desperately trying to help me <laughs> <laughs> while I ruin everything and, and just I'm going to write this and, that, and that. so, so there's, there's like something keeping track in the back of my head that, that I'm quite thankful for but I think that's like 14 years of learning to write in the most stupidly difficult way possible <laughs> which I wouldn't suggest anybody does I, I would suggest you go on courses and learn how to do it properly it's probably a lot quicker and easier
0: but, but speaking of um, talking animals I guess the, the... Standout, or one of the standout characters in the Bone Ships trilogy, as I'll call it now, um, is the. I'm going to, to pronounce this wrong. The Galeem.
2: That's right. That's how I do it. But but I, I do say that, however the reader pronounces it, is right. Okay, it's whatever you fancy.
0: Um, so, and I read. Did that character, the, the idea of the galeem come about because a friend misheard what you were actually thinking about doing? It?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd, I'd written this world, and the idea was that there were no mammals in it. Um, where my son, who's 12, turned around to me and went, what about the people? I was like, shut up, and go and live in the shed, you awful child. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not talking about that. But um, I have a friend called Matt, and the third book's dedicated to him. And we go and play badminton, if I'm up to badminton. And if not, we go and, we go and sit in cafes and drink coffee like we're important French artists. Um, and I wear a beret. I, do. <laughs> I brought it with me. I didn't wear it today. It's too hot. Um, I'm not sure he's a fan. But anyway, um, uh, we, we do this and I, he's very kind because he lets me talk my books at him and, and he almost pays attention and I was telling him about this world where there's no animals but birds, it's all birds and there were these wizards and they could control the wind uh, and as we were walking back he went, I love the idea of the bird wizards and I said, that's not what I said, I said wizards and birds and by the time I'd got home I'd had this amazing idea <laughs> for these bird wizards, <laughs> uh, and next time I saw Mars, I was just this brilliant idea for these bird wizards." And he's like, yeah, "Yeah, I really like that. I, was, I thought you would." Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those happy accidents that that I like to tell myself I'd have got to anyway, but probably wouldn't, because it's not writing's not quite as lonely as people say. It's it's nice to have sounding yeah. boards.
1: Um, when you're, you know, I think one of the things I'll often find so impressive about fantasy novels is the world is the is the building of the, of the world and and the author's skill in knowing how much to put on the page and how much to leave off and you know it's very easy i think to spend 10 20 pages talking about how a place looks or the make of the, of, of the land etc but but how do you how do you know when to drop in bits of the lore in the world
2: and keep the story moving at a good pace in my head when I'm being pretentious, I like to think of it as method writing, in that you're writing, <coughs> Ed MacDonald was saying a similar thing, I think I was doing earlier on, you're writing through the eyes of the character, so you only know what they know, and you might have, I mean I, I personally haven't because I'm incredibly lazy, but you might have written a, like a 20 page history of the mountains in the distance and and everything that lives in them and all of those but that character just knows the mountains mm-hmm. and that's all you need to put because the, the reader is living in their head and, and I, it, it, I'm very careful not to try writing as an omniscient narrator mm-hmm. because then it, it's, it's easy to go a bit mental. I mean Weirdwood is properly no prisoners at all it, it's you have to pay attention and you have to work it out what the there's there's no clues. I don't think it's a glossary. If it's a glossary, I didn't put it there. because um, <laughs> I like that. I, I like that process mm-hmm. of of discovering something new. Yeah, being dropped. Into yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, as little as possible, as little as I think I can get away with. Um, and if my editor's not confused by it, then then I've got away with it. But I, I, I always think world building is a thing we we kind of put more stress on than it's actually needed i don't because i don't really do very much i'll have like two or three things that I start off with and and then from then on it's writing it to find out what the world's like and I think it's much more important that your characters live in that world how and it can be as ridiculous as you want the trees can grow ears it doesn't matter as long as to them that's normal and real then, then your world is convincing uh, and and it, it sort of meshes together and finds itself as you go along for me but um <clears throat> all these anything world building of research I was saying this in, in sorry if you're at the panel earlier on because i'm just repeating myself now <laughs> um but um well building research um even planning your novel all those things are just finding that moment where you have enough confidence to sit in front of your computer and go right i can write this now and that's it and because i i as i said chose the most difficult path possible <laughs> i can go and sit at my computer straight away and just think well if i make it up it will happen and that's fine, but it's finding your, your sort of space in there of how much you need to do.
0: So, I mean, you mentioned the, the new book, Gods of the Weirdwood. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that is about?
2: Yeah. Oh God, I struggle. I struggle with. I struggle with this because there's so much hidden from the reader in the first book that to. Exp- <laughs> yeah. I kind of like. Oh, you don't going to spoil yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give away the plot of the next two. If if I if I do this, it's set in a world where one. One side of it is always winter, one side is always summer. And there's like a priestly cast of people who can use magic called the Rai, who are deeply unpleasant because I hate people in power um, and and I'm very against it. So so they're nasty and and they're bad. And every so often somebody called, there's hundreds of gods, hundreds of little forest gods everywhere and little sects and little monasteries that are worshipping their one. And every so often one will come across the chosen one as a fantasy loves a chosen one, we love it, um, <clears throat> and our main character Kahani, he's the chosen one and he's taken from, from he's a farm boy and everything, he's taken, <laughs> he's taken from his farm as a child and taken to the monastery and put through this deeply unpleasant process to become the cow who is who is, he's meant to tilt the world back so the north which was cold becomes warm and the south which was hot um, becomes cold. Obviously the people of the south hate the people of the north and the people of the north hate the people of the south because they're stuck in this ridiculous endless cycle. Um, But what happens to Kahan is before he gets to come into his power somebody else does it uh, and he's not needed anymore. And and he was kind of raised to become a monster and he doesn't want to be. And and so we actually join him and he's in his mid-thirties and he's a hermit being a farmer. But He's not that, and maybe he he needs more, and maybe there is a purpose in this world to him that he really does not want to step up to. And it's a book about not being able to move forward, and not being able to accept that you need to kind of confront things to move forward, and it 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 keeps pulling itself back. It's kind of really. I, I keep describing it as fantasy books are often a group of people go somewhere. This is one man goes nowhere. <laughs> <This is> just... <laughs> but it's not the best description. It's not like drugging in the readers. But that, that's kind of what, what I'm yeah. trying to do. is it's, He's frustrating, deeply frustrating for the reader, which I'm sure they're going to love. <laughs> people love that.
1: That's such a good setup for a story because it's, it's taking that kind of classic hero's, hero's journey and just making one, you know, and some cases yeah. to first. And, then, and that one moment. Kind of upends the whole. Yeah. What people think the story might go, or what type of story it might be. It's a very neat way of doing that.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's often just one one thing. And the other th- the other, when it comes to world building, the other thing is they don't have metal in this world, so everything relies on wood. So it's slightly different, and they don't have wheels, which is quite fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Does that not give you lots of logistical difficulties when you're? Th- no, no, because um,
2: there there are these massive forests, and there, there's. This might be a little bit... Oh, I don't care. Uh, so let's spoil it. Um, there's two ecologies. I think you pick it up from the first book. There, there's two separate ecologies running. And as part of one of them, um, there are weeds that float, like bladderwrack, seaweed, but they're filled with a, a lighter than air gas. And what they do is they, they wrap their carts and stuff in it, so things float. So you, it's much easier. They don't need roads, and they, they don't need wheels. So it just changes entirely how a society works, which is, is quite fun. Mm.
0: And, and it is the first book in a, in a planned trilogy um, what is it with fantasy and trilogies why, why why does why do fantasy stories have to be told in these multi-book epics
2: I have no idea I mean there, there is a, there's a lot of people doing standalone at the moment um, and they, they seem to be quite popular but trilogy seems to be the thing that i must asked to write um, that's, that's why I do it because that's what publisher publishers can you do a trilogy yes of course I can um, but also, if you want to do quite a complex world, it allows you... Because a trilogy is, is just one really long book, um, and it allows you to build it all in the first book. And then... I mean, the, the, I, I'm really bad, because I imagine my editor is thinking, can you just make it go a bit faster? And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm for slowly enveloping the reader. <laughs> In this absolutely horrible place that they probably wouldn't want to be in, in any other way apart from reading it. Um, so you get that, and then in, in the second book you get to move everything forward, and you get to expand your world, and then in the third book you can bring it all back together. I'm never going to write more than three, though, right? Because okay. I'm bored by the end of the third book. I was going to ask you that. You know what?
1: What do you find more exciting? Is it the is it the getting to that final end of the third book and being. Pulling everything in one place, or are you already thinking I want to? I've got a new exciting idea. I want to get in something else. I'm desperate to start
2: something new. By the time I'm about halfway through the third book, I'm sad. I'm done with this because I don't like rules at all. I don't like being told what to do, even when it's me. And and by that point, I've built in all these rules to my world that I have to obey. So I'm kind of hemmed in at that point. I'm like, all the freedom's gone. But the thing about writing something new is, I always want to do something completely different. And that as an author is terrifying because readers want you to do the thing you did before. So, and I imagine the marketers and the publishers want you to do the same thing so they
1: can yeah. you know where to put you on the shelf and to how to sell you, etc. Yeah, I mean,
2: my my dear to Jenny Hill at Orb oh, is really good because she just goes, yeah, do, do what you want to do. Yeah. But, but I, I, I always kind of feel that maybe they're a bit bemused by my books. They just, we put them out, people buy them, okay, just let him do it. Just <laughs> let, him, let him carry on, that's fine. But yeah, it's, quite, it's terrifying as a writer. Because you just you know that there's a a large amount of people who will have loved the Bone Ships and will pick up the new one and go this is not the Bone Ships mm-hmm. and it's not what I want isn't it? I want more of that thing yeah. and it happened with the with the Bone Ships because a lot of people read the Assassin books and they picked up on, well, this is not the Assassin books and I want that thing and a certain amount will come around but there'll always be a certain amount who just go no not for me
1: I suppose you're also Able to maybe tap into new audiences yeah. every time. Yeah. So, you know, you're, not, you're not just the same pool of people every time you write a new book.
2: Fingers crossed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and fantasy generally, uh, along with other genres like sci-fi and stuff, seem to be. There seems to be a bit less snobbery from publishing world towards genre writing. I mean, why do you think that is these days? I t-
2: oh God. I t- very careful what I say now. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I when I was reading fantasy, a lot of the fantasy I read at the time was. Oh, I'm not used to having to think about the words I say; I just say them. Just this, is, for it. this is yeah, yeah. You can edit this out later on. Um, felt very much in, aimed at teenage boys, and I think there still is some fantasy that is kind of aimed at teenage boys um, who may not necessarily be teenagers. Some of us do not grow out until we're 30. Not me, obviously. I'm very intelligent. Um, possibly, I, I do. Um, and I think that is still how it's seen. And, and people don't, don't see that there are a lot of female authors working mm. doing really interesting things, and a lot of authors do really interesting things. They see those big, big books, Uh, And that—that's a perception of them, not necessarily the right perception. But um, and I think that's why you get that sort of snobbishness. It's a literary festival. At least they never invite me. (laughs) Never invite me. I said, "You know, I won an award. Oh, did you? It's nice."
0: But but as well, yeah, people have these set ideas about what genre fiction is, and actually, in fantasy, you've got. You know, there's a lot of cross genre type. Like, your Assassin's books are murder mysteries, except in a fantasy setting kind of thing. And, you know, are, do you think people are slowly starting to discover that it isn't just all Lord of the Rings, essentially?
2: Yeah, and there's phenomenal writers working in it. There, There's at least three in this room that I can see who I, I know are, are really good, and just doing interesting things with it. And the thing about fantasy is it... Fantasy and... Even modern science fiction has doesn't have any rules. You can do anything. Not, just so it's fantasy. You know, you've got Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, mm-hmm. which is an, an astounding bit. Of, I love that book so much. And that's fantasy. And, and then and you've got like The Wheel of Time, which is like easy to read. You've got Brandon Sanderson, who, who who's, who's people love, I don't get. And, and that's fine. And, it, and it's all out there. But it, it's, it's a broad church mm-hmm. and, and a really interesting one. With, People are constantly innovating and finding new things to, to invent things and and, and you you're getting new new points of view from writers who are, are not middle aged white men like me, which is fantastic. And, and and every new thing you bring into it should just be celebrated. And this is not my experience. It's something new. And that's what that's, as a reader that's what I'm always looking for. I'm looking for the thing that I've not read before, which fantasy does quite well. Yeah. And also it doesn't some some of it is like yes you've read this before and here's more of it <laughs> and, and that's fine that's what that's comfort is fine too. I mean it's it is as you say it's it's it's
1: a broad church and there's <clears throat> there's just kind of there's loads of, if if you don't like one person you'll like someone else and there's yeah. all this kind of variety but for a while it felt like and I don't know if it's still the case now but it felt like everything was very kind of dark and gritty yeah. and <clears throat> it was maybe the height of Game of Thrones and it felt like every fantasy had to be full of violence and sex and it was. Very adulty, kind of aimed. Is that? Are we moving away from that now? Are we, are we embracing the more kind of there is more type of fantasy than just a Game of Thrones type of fantasy?
2: I hope so, but mostly I, I read American crime. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but yes, I, I think that, that that's it's kind of still going. I mean, Weirdwood's very dark, but I, I don't write a lot of sex in my books. Because it, it it's there's enough violence in already, and, and so, so I'm sticking with the violence part of it. Um, and I'm always, always a bit funny writing about sex, because just if if you write sex, and you write something, and people are thinking that's really weird. So we know what you're into, <laughs> <laughs> don't we? Yeah. And, uh, so I don't know why people. I don't, know, I, I don't think people think I murder people with swords. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Um, but. There's lots of interesting things because there's a whole fairy tale retelling thing happening, which is a thing on its own. I, it's really who's marketing what is is what what you see. But I, mean, I only read the first three Game of Thrones books because I got upset with people dying. Just, <laughs> I don't I liked him. I didn't want him to die.
0: <laughs> and and you've said that you're a big crime fan. I mean, would you want to write just a straight crime novel?
2: I might have done. <laughs> <laughs> I've written some under a different name, and and I've, my agent has got one at the moment. Because right. I I like to write, and I don't see genre as anything but the clothes story wears. Mm-hmm. So there's a set of rules that you can write within that make something fantasy, or they make it science fiction, or they make it crime. But all those things cross over, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I. I wrote. I got, I, when I said about writing books in like three or four weeks, I, I, I wrote the first weirdwood book. Needed a break, so I, I've written like a fantasy detective story um, in between. That was that, that, that I wrote in like six, I can't remember, a few weeks. Did I say four? You said four. Let's stick with four. <laughs> and so, so I'm just drawn in different. I'm always after novelty. And, and I think that's what it is. Mm. So, yes, yeah, I'd love to write a crime novel. What, what, what sort of crime do you like to read? I, I, I like American crime. Um, I think Sebastian Castell was saying about it, that British crime, we, we have, like, a, a middle-aged, um, middle-class mm. white detective who comes and thinks about things. And then American crime, they, they just shoot stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I quite like that. And, and my, my other alter ego, Darker, that's kind of I've written some, some Mal and Jackie books, which are about two working class lads in the council estate who continually get themselves into trouble. Um, and that's sort of the American model of, don't of, of, of shit, what should we do? Let's beat someone up. Um, <laughs> and then the, the the fantasy crime one is probably more towards the middle class detective, except he's not. He's he's working class because up oh, the working class that's <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and so how much of the Forsaken trilogy is written or are you still writing that I'm
2: um, 60,000 words into the third one which is probably um... so you're now bored of it at that point now, yes 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 I am <laughs> That's why I stopped to write a different book for Um,
1: this. How how far through Skyrim are you? Is that the
2: bit? I finished the main quest. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm about to go to um, Solstheim. Oh yeah, yeah. So so that's that. I've done the Dawn Guard. So and so I'm six thousand words into the thing, and I I know where I'm going now. Kind of, it's quite clear in my head where I'm off. So hopefully I'll go back. I've taken a week off writing because it was half term, um, and I thought I should spend some time with my son. So I did, and he he finished the New Zelda, and I finished, and I played Skyrim in the same room, but we didn't talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> quality parenting. Yeah, quality, quality <laughs> parenting. Um, so I didn't I didn't write for a week, and I think that's the first week I've not written probably since I signed my first book deal, wow. uh, and it was quite fun. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. Um, I, 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 my agent once told me to he said stop writing take a holiday and i felt like after three days he just i was emailing him every day to ask him stuff but he's like start writing again how
1: do you find you know because writings are quite solitary you're quite like in your own head yeah. to just you and your own problems with the book and you, do you quite like that or do you quite like being able to bounce ideas off people and ask questions
2: i like bouncing ideas off people that that's fun but I am quite a bit I like my own company and I always had done so that's quite useful. I, I can just say and once I'm in a book I'm lost. I'm not I'm in the book, I'm not seeing the world around me anymore. I put this horrifies people. I put television on and that's how I watch like Marvel series and stuff that I feel I should keep up on. I put them on writing? as I'm writing, yeah. Yeah, you're doing that's, that face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure
1: like, how how what are the nights to suffer? Do you do you follow the T V and write the book the
2: or that's yeah, yeah. The Marvel
1: characters sometimes make it into your books. As you
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but I find that, that works for me. I don't know why. Or, or music, but it has to have lyrics. I can't, I can't do yeah. just music. It has. To, I, I, think it's because when I when I first started writing *Siri*, when I meant it, my little boy was a baby, and and my wife's quite sensible. She just went, "I'm not none of none of this. I'm going to go out and work. <laughs> you can raise the child because it's smelly. Um, you do that." So I, I was like a stay-at-home dad. So it was constant interruption while I was writing because you can't, you can't just leave a baby in a drawer. <laughs> yeah, no, no. People get very upset if you do. Um, and I think that's become my process now that I need constant interruption. Improv- so I'll write a bit and then I'll be like, oh, oh, that's what he's doing. OK, and then I'll be back to writing and I'll be music and I'll go, oh, I like this song. So I'll just listen to that and then I'll go back to writing. Again, so I dip in and out. Yeah. And then at some point you just kind of hit it and it's all gone. And then, you're, then I'm, I'm in it and I'm writing.
0: So um, you're sixty thousand words into the last book of Forsaken. Are you already know what the next fantasy trilogy is going to be?
2: Yeah, I've got the um, fantasy detective thing. That's that's a book that's written, but I I don't I don't. That's with my agent, and he can decide what what we do with that. And then I I have this. I've had this idea for ages about um, walking cities, and and how that works in my head. And I kind of think I might, I'll do that next for my next big, big fantasy. I want to write something where people don't hit each other with swords. I've done nine books of people hitting each other with swords now, and I, I, I'm, I'm done with that. I'll come back to it, no doubt, because as soon as you're not doing a thing, that's the thing you want to do. Yeah. Um, but I want to write something a bit odder. Yeah. I can hear my editor screaming <laughs> from here. And my agent just going, no, no, do this thing. Just give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. No, no. Let's, let's, let's give them what they absolutely don't want. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, those were the main questions we had for you. And normally we would ask you uh, questions that we ask every guest. But before we do that, I want to know if anyone in the audience had a question for RG.
2: What you have to do is you have to tell them if somebody doesn't ask a question, you'll come out and start asking them questions. <laughs> <laughs> and usually somebody will think of a question. Yeah. Otherwise you just get out yeah. there and start asking. What's your favourite book? RJ will book? ask you a question. Yeah. yeah. What's your favourite book? And if it's not one of mine, I'll sulk. And oh, that's a terrible thing to say. I'm <laughs> oh, not going to do it. Oh, no, see, see, obviously. So, so has there been a moment for you writing? This is the moment, like this is the scene. Yes. And that sticks with you. Yeah, it's really rare because I'm <clears throat> at some point writing Gods of the I, I emailed my editor and said, this, this, is, this is the worst book I've ever read. No one's going to read this book. It's terrible. And she emailed me back and said, RJ, you have said that about every book you have written. Um, so that's kind of my, my, my state when I'm writing. I, I always say, I feel like there's a really, really good writer just over the horizon who I am chasing. And and that's how I feel when I'm writing. I feel that this should be so much better than it is, and I'm not there. And I, I, my agent always says, "No, no, no, you're really good. Just you're really good." And I was going, "No, no, no, never say that," because I always want to be chasing that. Because otherwise, the minute you start, like, oh, I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. I think you're kind of dead. Cause and you don't feel that like,
1: even though you have that feeling of like kind of imposter syndrome. I can't. I'm not. I'm not good enough. Isn't working. Does, has that become a, something you expect now? So you kind of, you, do no. you look, look forward, not
2: look forward no. to it, but you know it's coming, no? No, no, it always surprises me. <laughs> I always think when I start this book, it will be great. And then I get halfway through <laughs> it and think, no, it's awful. But when I wrote The Bone Ships, there's a, there's a three-ship-on-three-ship battle towards the end. And when I was editing back the first draft, I found that I was holding my breath when I read it. And I just thought, Fucking nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> and, and Also, as well as the stuff that, that um, you write and you know it's right, and it's a really odd sense. It might might not be right, it might need a tweak, but you know it's right because there's, there's a sequence of where they load... They, they don't have cannons. They have massive massive sort of crossbows on their ships, in the burning ships. And there's like a two-page sequence where they load one of these. And my editor went... This is a lot of loading a thing. <laughs> and I wrote back and went, Jenny, it's not a naval book if you don't have at least two pages of how to work a cannon. It just isn't. And I'm not prepared to back down on this. It's just, well, okay, your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other questions? Yeah, Shauna. Um, how clean would your first draft be? Do you have to do a lot of editing or is it quite clean? Depends what you mean by clean. If you mean plot wise, they don't generally change a lot, which always kind of surprises me the way I write and I'm making it up as I go along, but they tend to be quite similar. Though Weirdwood is different because I'm, <clears throat> I wrote Weirdwood in first person and Jenny wrote to me and said, we like this book, we'll print it as it is. Are you absolutely sure it should be in first person? And because I'm a writer, I just thought, of course, I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it on the course, I'm absolutely sure. And then woke up the next morning and went, no no, no it should be third person I've made a terrible mistake um, and that's the biggest changes I've ever done to a book Was, but the actual plot didn't change So, um, so
1: did you rewrite the entire book to take it from first to third person?
2: Yeah, wow. yeah, and it's the massive as well, it's the biggest book I've ever written Jeez. Yeah, I like, yeah, I was so cross with it <laughs> all the way through I was cross with that idiot who wrote it in first person and what was he thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what a fool um, but grammar wise um, that Questions from Sean and Lawrence, so we share an agent. Um, maybe not as clean. Um, I, I get a lot of email from Ed, our agent, pointing out the things that I do. that I, I cannot spell the word from. I write form every single time, and I cannot pick it up in a document. And I just get emails back from my agent that just goes, form, 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 form. i like, ah, shop Ed. <laughs> Leave me alone. So grammar-wise, it, it, it's interesting. Plot-wise, it's usually quite accurate as to what it's going to be. I think that's why I managed to be... I'm doing air quotes for Fast, um, and that's because it's quite... It, it is what it's going to be generally. But that feels like terrible hubris, and I've not got the edits back on my second Weirdwood book yet. So it, it might not always be the case. Probably wouldn't. <laughs> Come back and go, no, <laughs> rewrite this entire thing.
0: <laughs> Any other questions? I think me and Tariq would quite like to have some recommendations for American crime because uh, Absolutely. you know you've tantalised us with that a few times. And so um, I mean, off the top of my head, I would be kind of Don Winslow, mm-hmm. this guy writing my uncle Jordan Parker. I love stuff. Uh, yeah. Going back a bit is Charlie Houston. Can you can you recommend any American, great American
2: crime? Um, I would say do the Robert B. Parker books, the Spencer books. Oh, yeah, um, classics. Yeah, yeah they're, they're fantastic. Every book is exactly the same, <laughs> but, but I, I love them. Um, if you've not read Robert Crace, okay, no. um, Robert Crace's Elvis Cole and Joe Pike books, uh, I just write, I, one of the things that I really like in a book, is it's why I love the Aubrey Maturin um, Master and Commander books, because mm. it's about friendship. Um, Robert Crace's Elvis Cole and Joe Pike books are astounding, and then there's a, a book called L.A. Requiem, which changed the way I think about writing. Uh, and he, he writes it from three points of view that are all gonna come into conflict at the end. And as the book progresses, the points of view get shorter. And it's just so clever. And the other one is James Lee Burke, who who's just writes the most beautiful, beautiful. He, he writes about a man who, who is by nature violent and doesn't want to be. And each of his books is like a gathering storm. And they they exist in the deep south of America. And my favourite thing about him is there's a very gentle, supernatural thread that runs through... Some books, there's nothing, and then every so often something will come up. And then his most recent book, called A Private Cathedral, he's clearly just gone, fuck it. (laughs) I'm all in. And his two heroes are are pursued by a thousand-year-old hitman from hell. And and the end of it takes place on the River Styx. And... and, uh, Nothing like this in any of the other books. And weirdly, you, absolutely, you never think of it as strange. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that, that happens in Louisiana. That's just what it's <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm going to accept that. Uh,
0: um, we did have one question that someone wanted us to ask, which was, what is your favourite dinosaur?
2: Oh, oh, this has come from Kit Power, hasn't it? Has this come from no, Kit Power? No, pa- it hasn't. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, th- there's only one good dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think everybody in this room already knows that. I you know what this is. You know the answer to this. Sat over there. It is the Triceratops. <laughs> Everybody knows this. There isn't as cool a dinosaur as the Triceratops. Okay. It's, it's obvious. Why is it the Triceratops? Because it is. You just need to accept it. Don't, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, don't, don't start down the T-Rex path because it leads nowhere good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, Tarek, you want to do your either or? Yeah, I've got to go with my... Should um, we do the whole thing? Yeah. Okay, so let's begin with... Uh, Quick fire, either or no right answer here, apart from one of them, perhaps okay, the but we'll start off with uh, crime or fantasy fiction to read or
2: write, uh, write. right right um, fantasy it's it's much more freeing, you can do anything but to read, probably crime okay because I, I like a mystery yep yeah. and, and on the subject of that, just if you have not watched poker face well. Astounding television. It just
1: came in the UK last Sunday, I think. Yeah, that's my next show to
2: watch. It's just brilliant. Just, just. But there's an episode of Two Old Ladies, and it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen on television.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, TV or cinema?
2: Um, TV, because I'm really lazy, and I don't want to leave the house. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I also resent how much I have to pay for popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Night owl or early bird? Can I be neither? I am I'm like good between about feed you have to pick one. Ah uh, uh, probably a night owl, then I'm not a morning person. I, my 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 son has just got old enough that I don't have to walk with him to school anymore. Yeah. And it's possibly the most freeing thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> the only bad thing is that my wife uses our bedroom as an office. So at nine o'clock she's like, You really have to go out of bed. <laughs> and, uh, I'm doing a meeting and Zoom. You cannot be in bed. <laughs> okay. So yeah, a Night Owl.
0: Uh, Star Wars or Star
2: Trek? Oh. oh. you see, I t- I've changed over the years. I, t- I have really enjoyed the last series of Picard and Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds. I've th- mm. really enjoyed those. Um, and I've started to find a lot of Star Wars quite tiresome. But... Andor yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, has Star Wars for me, yeah. just because I thought it was a brilliant.
1: Andor was a great example of what you were seeing as dropping yeah. someone in it and just yeah. you learn the lingo yeah. and how things work as you go.
2: Yeah, and at no point does it sort of look at you and wink over its glasses and go, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I'm rewatching Star Wars Rebels with my son. Okay. And, and that is also brilliant. Yeah. That's just top class storytelling in Star Wars Rebels. Okay.
1: Um, and the last one. Real book or ebook?
2: Real book by a long way. <laughs> okay, so um,
1: I'm a, I'm I'm pretty much the only person we, are, we, are, we ask this like question on e-books. every
0: podcast. Tarek wants everyone to say ebook, and about three people have said. Then e-book. Well, what
2: is it, four, yeah. I think if you'd asked me three or four years ago, I'd have said ebook. Okay, and um, and my wife would definitely say ebook we should get her on the
1: podcast. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I need a little help with get it. Yeah. What about if we go
2: this to the audience?
1: I want to see hands up for ebooks yeah. over audiobooks. Audio. Real books. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. Hands up oh. for ebooks over real books. That's about 50 people. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I, I like ebooks for for ease. Mm-hmm. And it's a really odd thing. What the only reason I don't like ebooks and I think this this, this might bring me down on your side, Tariq, I've got to be honest. Okay, here we go. Is at one point I started sending my third or fourth draft to my Kindle, to read on my Kindle. So reading on an e-book would immediately put my head into that, right, I'm I'm reading this critically to edit it, and I just found anything else impossible to read on it, because instead of thinking, I'm enjoying this book, I was thinking, what would I do with this? Mm, Where would I go with it? And, And my mind will not switch off, so I've had to go back to normal books. Okay. But actually, I did just read the entirety of Joao Lansdale's Happen Leonard books on ebook. So, so he gets he a pass. So that's, uh, that's e-book then, I think yeah. I'm a terrible fence sitter. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: well, uh, that's all the questions that we had for you today, Archie. But thanks very much for joining
2: us. I've had a lovely time. Thank you. Thank you. I'll come back whenever. <laughs> <laughs> Great.
0: And thanks, everyone, for coming.
2: Uh, well done. We love you all.
0: Thanks very much to RJ for coming on to the podcast. Uh, We really enjoyed doing that, especially in front of an audience, uh, which isn't something that we get to do an awful lot. And I know that Tarek enjoyed it as much as I did as well. So um, if you were one of the ones to come along and watch it live, thanks very much. And we certainly hope to be able to do that again in the future. Um, You can buy Gods of the Weirdwood now. Uh, We've put a link in the podcast description. And uh, who knows, we'll maybe get RJ back on the podcast one day because he was such great fun. Um, Next week, we have a guest that was actually in the audience for that talk. We are speaking with the brilliant C.K. McDonnell, uh, or Cueve McDonnell. Um, He is the author of the Dublin Trilogy series of books. And I say that because although it's called the Dublin Trilogy, it it spans many more than just three books. Um, He's a former stand-up comedian, now writes full-time. He's a... works in both the self-publishing and trad publishing uh, spheres so it's a really interesting and fun interview again so please do tune in for that one if you enjoyed today's episode please do take time to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app as that helps us to continue to get great guests and uh, as Tarek would always say if you want to get in touch you can get in touch with us or at podcast at rightgear.co.uk or contact us on a variety of social media where our handle is at uk page one on most of the services uh, we're writing.exchange at page one pod on mastodon as well uh, but otherwise have a great week and we'll speak to you next episode